listening to the Route 77 podcast, where we explore what it means to live a healthy and active single life as a Christian. In this episode, we'll be talking about one of the most common struggles that singles face, fear. Whether it's the fear of being alone, the fear of not finding a partner, or the fear of rejection, fear can hold us back from experiencing the fullness of life that God has for us. But fear doesn't have to be the final say. Through practical advice, biblical wisdom, and personal stories, we hope to encourage and equip you to overcome fear and live with courage, purpose, and confidence. Welcome to today's episode. I am your host, Natasha. I'm here with Monique. Hello. And David. Hello. So we are discussing today the topic of the fear of singleness or fear of being single. This is a very major issue for people who are single or might become single again. So then you fall into this fear. And we want to discuss what fears that singles tend to have and what we can do about those or if they're healthy fears or if they're unhealthy fears and how we should deal with them. I had made a list of some of the fears that singles have. There's the fear of being alone, the fear of dying alone, the fear of being ignored or being left out, abandoned, fear of lost dreams, fear of missing out, fear of missing out. Yeah, big one. There's that a couple too, fear of being judged. Oh, yeah. And fear of being a burden. Ah, yes. Those are two that are good as well. And fear of letting people down, family, cultural expectations, religious expectations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as you can see, a lot of fears. Yeah. One of the big ones is being separated from people and everyone. And something actually thinking about this last night. What weighed heavily on me was just before Jesus's crucifixion, where he went out and he prayed to the Lord. And he knew that in order to bear the sins of mankind, our sins, he had to become separated from God. And then that moment, he realized what actually had to happen in order for us to receive salvation. And that caused this condition. It caused him so much anxiety, so much stress, so much despair. Not only did he sweat, but he sweated blood. So I think one of the biggest fears that a lot of people may not entirely see is the idea that they're going to be separated from people and from God. Yeah, yeah exactly. And that was heavy. It was very good. Yeah. But good. Yeah, it's very good. And we get this idea like our world becomes smaller yeah. and smaller and football or like our peripheral vision goes away we end up in this tunnel vision of yes. singleness like you're in a dark room hunched up against the wall there's almost no light able to penetrate around you because you allow the fears to build and yeah. the doubts and things to build in your mind then yeah you end up it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy these things happen because you're afraid they're going to happen, but they happen because of that fear. You allow it to grow and they become true. Yes. My late husband did that to himself because he always told me that he was going to die before a certain age. He was going to die before he was 50. And cancer ran in his family. So he was pretty sure that he was probably going to die of cancer and it was going to happen before he was 50. And he actually made that come true. He ended up with cancer and he knew, I'm pretty sure he knew, um, but he ignored all the symptoms 
until it was too late to do anything about it. So there is that fear of getting a disease and who's going to take care of me if I'm sick and dying or if I'm just really sick. What if I get so sick that I need help and I'm too sick to call for help? There's nobody there to help me. Especially as you get older? Especially as you get older. If you're an elderly person and you fall and injure yourself so badly that you can't get to the phone and you can't call for help, do you have people who come and check up on you just to make sure that you're okay? Yeah. We're probably going to apply all of our pillars to this because this is, this will really help to identify like what we're talking about, but we can't just expect things to happen externally, right? We can't just go around going, people need to make sure I'm not alone. People need to make sure that I'm taken care of. That's not their 100% their responsibility. We have to look into ourselves because we cannot control other people. We control ourselves. So we need to take responsibility for what we can do. So we talked about last time with accountability, the fact that you don't want to forsake the fellowship of the church. One way, just one small way is to be active into your church where you're actually not just going sitting on by yourself and then going home. Make connections with people in your church because that is your family yep that is your family the church is meant to be a family and a family is meant to be there for each other yep and we have to get over that fear of connection because that is something else too is that you get so used to being in your own space disconnected disconnected that it's really hard to make yourself step out of that and try to connect with other people Yes, but another really heavy thing that laid on my heart, too, was the time of Judas and the time of Jesus. Even though you may have close friends in the community of the church, and Jesus experienced this, is that the fear of betrayal or the fear of, again, separation from that person can really prevent people from understanding or even attempting to come closer to the community in the church kind of fear. And as being a person of single that and they really want to not be single, they don't maybe want to get a boyfriend or girlfriend or get married or come to a church. That idea that what happens if I'm rejected, right? Or, or even if I'm not rejected and then later down, they vanish or ghost me or betray me in some way can really hurt the idea or increase the fear of then being in a relationship. And then that kind of forces them to create a bubble around themselves. Again, putting them into solitude. But also then there's verses like Psalms 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in the spirit. So we got to understand that, that even though these things happen, the Lord knows that they're going to happen before they happen. And Jesus knew this. And in spite of that, he knew that coming to Christ and our salvation is far more important. So we have to understand that when these things happen, that God knows that they're happening and he is there and he'll walk that with us. Yeah. Yeah. So we can probably take it back to our first pillar of acceptance. acceptance. First, understand that singleness is an acceptable way to live. Even if it's for a time, yeah. like it's acceptable. You're not, it's not a sinful thing. It's not a disease. It's not evil. It's not anything. So if you understand that, then you need to go to the next one. So what is your anchor? Is your foundation, is your anchor the people around you? Or is it on 
God first. And when you understand that God is not a God of fear. No. He casts out fear. And it doesn't just mean you go, go, oh, I've got God, so I don't need anybody else. No, he's also made us a people of relationship. So relationship with him and a relationship with others. But if you don't start with God being your foundation, then you're going to expect other people to fill a void that is meant to be filled by God. So this is the same thing we talked about, I believe, with the anchor about expecting your spouse to fill things that God is supposed to fill. This is the same things with friends, family, church family, anybody that you meet. If you have expectations of them to fulfill something in you that is supposed to be fulfilled by God, then yes, they will let you down. No, And that is taking a good thing, turning it into a God thing, which is then a bad thing. Yes, exactly. So a lot of the, a lot of fears, and we'll go through different ones so we can talk about them. We think that, if again, it's that whole like misunderstanding of what marriage is. We think that by getting married, it will fix things. It won't. If you're married, you can still be alone in marriage. There are many people who will tell you that they are lonely in their marriage. If you are in marriage, you, there is a chance that you could still die alone. What if that person your spouse passes away before you. What if you don't have children? There's a lot of reasons. What if your spouse is on a business trip? Yeah, or in the military or something. Yep. So dying alone is a possibility. Being alone with oneself, you can't expect the other person to just be with you the entire time. You need to be comfortable with yourself. You just don't want them to be around you that much. You need some break. Go on. (laughs) Financial struggles. Like, yes, it does help when two people can help share burdens that helps with Monique and myself with the house definitely couldn't afford it separately but also look we don't need a spouse to create that situation but also you need to learn how to use finances and whatnot getting married is not the fix for that no it's just a way to help with a situation and there are there are places and things that you can go to if you're having financial difficulties yeah the church Mm -hmm. is one and then there's lots of other missions ministries that help out too and Maybe even government grants and things for different people. I want to put it to you like this. Imagine you get married, you fall in love, you get married. Then I want you to tell your spouse, the reason I married you was so that I would not be alone. The reason I married you was so that I don't have to struggle with my finances. The reason I married you was so that I'll still be able to have children. Those are not really positive things to tell your spouse. Like you feel like you're being used. So if you're going to look to get married because of a fear, then you're marrying for a selfish reason. The marriage itself is not bad. Even the person that you potentially would marry, maybe a perfectly good Christian spouse that would be an honor to be married to. But if you haven't changed your heart about these things and learned to deal with them in a God way, in a God honoring way, then you're going to bring into your marriage all this brokenness, brokenness that that and expectation and things of a spouse where that is supposed to be filled by God. So you're getting a God expectations of your spouse. And when you have two sinful people living together, it's not a perfect thing. And you're going to disappoint one another. You're going to love each other. You're going to have exciting times together. But you hate there, each other. There, there will be ups and downs. So. Getting married or looking to get married or trying to not be single, running away from being single by just trying to rebound onto another boyfriend, another girlfriend, like right away so that you're not single is running away from 
the root problem. And a recipe for disaster. It definitely is. So the fears that we have, we need to bring to God because if we can't deal with them with God and try to understand them and work on improving them, then you're not really in a place to get married. And you really shouldn't be dating at this point. Because again, even if you're just in a dating relationship, you're still using the other person to avoid your fears. So that's a selfish reason. Yeah, like you said earlier, fear will cause a lot of problems. First Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So even if you feel strained or alone like you said we should put it all on god and let god guide us isaiah forty-one thirteen says for i am the lord your god who takes hold of your right hand and says to you do not fear i will help you so even if you have great fear for any of these things your financial difficulties and stuff all you have to believe in is christ and that he will hold your hand and so that you may not fear because he will, he is, and he always will be, and he is willing to help. Exactly. If we don't look for that in, in God, then we're going to be finding like a Band-Aid. Yep. And not a very good Band-Aid. No. One of those cheap dollar store Band-Aids that fall off three seconds after you put it on. For your fear. And you're still left bleeding and And it's not fair to you. It's not fair to the other person. And it's not, it's, yeah, it's just not fair. No, to anybody. No. And, and if some of these fears are more like phobias, it's not wrong to go and get counseling. No, exactly. To go and talk to some professional person to help you to deal with these things that cause you. And like some people will literally have panic attacks or anxiety attacks. They can't leave their house. They're afraid to step out their door or even trying new situations or meeting new people and all of these mm-hmm. things. Those are definitely real and they can get help yep. and you can work at things in baby steps. Yeah. Yeah. If your fear is that debilitating, do seek out help. Pastor of a church, if you feel that's where you need to go. But there are Christian counseling. Yeah. That that can help you if you don't want to go. Ask and we can give you some recommendations. Yeah. We, yeah. We definitely know some very good ones and we'll give recommendations. Yeah. So what can we do to help in these areas? So we say one thing about fear. How about this one? Fear of being with yourself. First, that one. My ex-husband could not be alone with himself. If he would pace, he couldn't even watch TV and lose himself in that. He just couldn't do it. If I was in bed and he'd be like, oh, can you come out here? Or if he was in bed and I was out watching TV, oh, can you come in here? If I was off working, he would be going, oh, I'm going out with coffee. He just could not be with himself. And there's a lot of issues that he had going on within himself so if you cannot be alone with yourself that's a really good place to start that's a place to start because you can't just fill your time up with distractions and trying not to think i think that's what i did with myself at first after my husband passed away because i didn't know who i was i was once upon a time a wife and now i'm not and once upon a time i had a guy to rely on even though i couldn't really rely on him but i had that the theory was there <laughs> the theory was the heresy I had that assumption. So then it was just like, now what do I do? And the first year after somebody dies, is, they say, is the hardest because you go through a lot of firsts. For me, it wasn't so much all of those firsts, but more of a, who am I in relation to that? And then the following year, I had this fabulous job. I loved this job. I wanted to keep this job until I retired. I was satisfied and it ended. The company decided to move it to another province and I wasn't going there. 
for for a whole heck of a lot less money than what I was making already then. So back to back, I lost my husband. I lost my financial support. Now what am I going to do? And I took two months off and went and just hung out with my family. And I'm pretty sure that I was depressed for a long time. I found a job that was closer to home for less money than what I was making before, but I was able to make it. It was enough for me to live on, which was fine. As long as it paid all my bills and I had a little bit left over, it was fine. It took a number of years for me to come to the realization that I actually liked living on my own. I didn't have to share the fridge. I didn't have to share the remote control. I have to share the bed. It was all mine. I could stretch out as ever I wanted to. If I made dinner and I didn't clean up the dishes afterward, it didn't matter because it was just me in the house. I didn't have to share my car. I could go where I wanted to, come back when I wanted to. And it took a few years for me to realize that I got this freedom. But it didn't happen right away. I had to become accustomed to that. Yeah. And I found with me, I've always listened to stuff going to bed. It's just something I started with adventures when I was seeing when I was a kid. And I always liked doing that. But eventually it actually became like, a, I don't want to think. I don't want there to be quiet. I don't want to think about not having a husband. I don't want to think about being alone or not progressing. Or Then it was, I don't want to think about this marriage that I'm in and everything. And it was like where I couldn't even, like if I woke up in the night, boom, right back on again. So I didn't have to think. I still listen to stuff at night, but now it's just helps my mind to calm down and just from the day not because i'm trying to avoid thinking now it's sometimes if i have a headache or something i'll put it back on in the middle of the night try to avoid the try to think about not think about the pain in my head but generally now if i wake up in the night i don't need to throw it back on again it's just i can be in my own head and it's a happy place <laughs> it's not like not like full of fears and doubt and depression and everything <laughs> sometimes it's a nutty place but that's okay yeah. And I think, too, with both Monique and I, with the marriages that we had, everything that we did came at a price. Yeah. And so even things like putting stuff in the fridge, yeah. having dinner, using the remote control, those things all came at a price. And so it wasn't it, until you were able to do it yourself. And then even like with the two of us together in the same house, we don't have that unhealthy expectation. Yeah. And there's not that unhealthy relationship, even the friendship relationship. Because the, with the people that we lived with before, with our spouses, it was like uh, the whole world revolved around them. Yeah. And so you just realize, like, when Monique and I moved in together, it was like, oh, somebody's capable of standing up and going to the kitchen and getting themselves a drink and coming back and sitting down and not asking me to do it. It sounds <laughs> like so strange, but we're laying in bed and calling out, going, I'm hungry. Can you make me something? What is wrong with you? Do you not I have know. It's just, anyway. So it's created like a much healthier situation, <laughs> even in our own selves. So I think we needed that time, though. I think God used the time of, of aloneness, like without our spouses, to help build us into people that could then be healthy housemates. Yeah. Yep. So, David, what do you think about that? Being alone with yourself? Being alone with myself. Yeah. Yeah, because you lived alone for quite some time, too, right? Yes. And I honestly preferred... Living alone. I think there's a big difference between living alone and then actually being alone. So living alone allows one, I guess, to have some solitude to themselves and with the Lord. But if you're alone for too long or if you have solitude for too long, then again, temptations come in and you may end up feeling separated. 
So it, it, it's very important, and Jesus says this, to, to encourage one another so that you may not alone. And wherever there is three of us, I am there also, Jesus. And God says, so it may be fine to have some alone time and some, so yeah, some alone. It may be fine to be living alone, but you have to understand that there is a fundamental difference between living alone and then being alone. And even Jesus does this. He goes out and he's alone when he prays to the Lord. And Jesus says that you should pray in the closet and this stuff. You need that alone time with God. But again, we're only human. Even though God can fulfill and do everything, he still greatly encourages us to go to communities, to have physical interactions with people, to get to know one another so that we may be accountable on our ability to be anchored to God. It's just a whole bunch of stuff. I could get into this for a long time, but I find that there is a big difference between living alone and then actually being alone. And that's a really good point because there are times both Natasha and I are introverts. So after a certain time of being around a lot of people, you just don't want to be around anybody. Sometimes you'll be here in the living room playing with your, playing your games, and I'll go into my room and I'll watch TV yeah. just to get my own headspace back. Yeah, and we're okay with that. Like, no, we're okay with that. What's really also fascinating is that we're human, right? So yeah. even if we are surrounded by others, even if we have some of that interaction, a big problem I feel would be having those people may not knowing or even understanding that these people may be separated from God. And even in that, you may feel alone. So being alone need, needs to be confronted by Jesus. So when, when you come to Jesus, when you believe in Jesus, you'll be able to know to, to recognize what lo loneliness looks like and to what wholeness looks like. Because you can be surrounded by hundreds of people or thousands. You can go to a party with a thousand people, five thousand. You're surrounded by a community, but if you, but you can be alone at the same time. Lonely, have that loneliness, even though you're. Yep, that was into the crowd, or even like a marriage. Yeah, that's what my marriage yeah. is very lonely. Yep, mine too. Yeah, there's two extremes. You can have so much of something, making that something appear like nothing. Yeah. Or you can have so much people that you feel alone and then you can have so much of nothing. Yeah. And so it's a very complex and important note to make that it's not one or the two. There's three. You got absolutely nothing and you got too much of something and then you have Jesus in the middle. You, you have to walk the narrow road with mm -hmm. Jesus because once you realize that, then it doesn't matter how much people you have around you. It doesn't matter how much of nothing you got or the no people. As long as you can come to the conclusion that Jesus is the path and the only path and that he can fulfill you, he is the one way away from the loneliness. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's why the foundation is so important. And if you focus so much on your loneliness, you can actually find yourself feeling that you are separated from God. Oh, my prayers are just hitting the ceiling and coming back down because you are focusing so much on your loneliness. That you're forgetting that you were never alone. The Holy Spirit in you is your comforter. And he doesn't go anywhere. He doesn't leave you. God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Yeah. So if you are a believer in Jesus and you have the Holy Spirit in you, you have that assurance. Even if you're not feeling it right now. And sometimes in your loneliness, this is where you need to go. Lord, just 
You have to go beyond your feelings. And I think another very important point there is God says, do not fear for I am with you, but do not dismay for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So by providing people to Jesus and to God, we give them a right hand to grasp so that they may know that we'll never be alone. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes in our own foolishness, it can be hard to see when somebody is hurting. Had you seen me a few years ago, you probably would never have guessed that I was battling with depression because even I didn't know I was battling with depression. Until I did something that made me see that for the past 10 years, I had been living in depression because all I was doing was going to work, going home, going to work, going home, and I'd go to church and I'd talk to people and I'd go out and I'd do this and do that. And then I'd go home and I'd just sit. Yeah, and I understand that. But it sounds more like you weren't totally anchored, right, on on, on Jesus. So you were somehow disconnected? Yeah. I'd say that was probably more it because so, the, my, my, my grasp of Jesus never weakened, but I'd felt that disconnect because there was an expectation that I wanted from my life that was not happening. Yeah, but again, even in those situations, if you're not anchored on God, then you produce, I guess, bad fruit in a sense. Yeah. So the idea of a believer is to pray to the Lord, and, and it can be difficult, and I understand what you're saying. The idea is when you pray to the Lord, pray so that you're able to recognize that bad fruit, and then you can help that person. Yeah. When you talk to people and when you interact with people, there's two sides of everything. You can be logical on one side, but then there's also the emotional side. you got to account for the emotional side. And it's that side is the hardest side to talk to people with. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And a lot of people who are facing fears of loneliness, depression, fear of not having their dreams realized. And I can attest to having many dreams literally destroyed because of my marriage, that it can be hard to open up, to recognize what you're going through because your feelings can become numb. And when your feelings become numb, then you don't really know what it is that you're supposed to be doing. And if you find yourself feeling in that place, right? I just actually, I just don't feel anything. Chances are you are feeling something. You're just not wanting to feel it. And Natasha mentioned earlier that our feelings lie. But if somebody comes at us and say, you just got to read this. I've read that. I've read that. Yeah. Prayed that. Did you pray that? that? Yeah, I prayed that. But this is where I want to say something else aside from, yes, we have to have our anchor here, there, God, Jesus, pray, that kind of thing. But I still think that this is a place where we need the church. The church needs to come in into these places. The church needs to recognize that there are widows, divorced, lonely singles who you may not know that they are not, but ask yourself. Who talked to that person last? What if nobody talks to that person at all? What if you see that person walk in and walk out and nobody said anything to them? The church needs to be aware of these people and not just center focus on their own. Or or think that if only you can get married, then it's going to fix all of your problems. That's that tends to be the subconscious teaching of the church. Yeah, it's more of a if it's like what they're not saying 
like they say everything and if you take that what they're saying like to its logical conclusion then it's if you just get married then it'll fix everything yeah 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 that's a belief that us as single people can have ourselves and that's what i had maybe i just need to yeah i just need to get married if i could find somebody to marry maybe then i'll feel better but you know what i noticed that after my husband died that was the first thought i had i'm just gonna i'm just gonna get remarried i'm gonna find somebody i'm just gonna get remarried and then another year passed and then and that just never happened and and that's when after and then i started saying to myself self you may never get married. Are you okay with that? Right? And that, that same sort of conversation in my head about getting married and having children. Yeah. I'm 15 years older than you. And I also went through a situation in my 40s, I think it was, early 40s, where I had to have a hysterectomy. And when I was talking to the gynecologist about it, I said, so I guess I'm never going to have children again, hey? And he says, well, we could make that happen if you really wanted to. And then I had to ask myself if that's really what I wanted. Do I want in my 40s to have an, a child? And what am I going to do with that? And mm-hmm. a single mom, how am I going to take care of that? And I still have my daughter that she's an important part of my life. How am I going to incorporate? And all these things, all these other questions kept coming at me. Kept, and I'm just like, you know what? I just can't deal with that. We're just going to get rid of it and never think about it again. That's the same for me. Like when I got married, I was just like wife and mother. That's like the mantra. And it was wife. We're getting, we never had kids. We weren't able to. And whenever we separated and ended up divorcing, I was always during your marriage was very depressed about not having kids. And then all of a sudden I wasn't even wife, but more, I wasn't even a mom. People are like, oh, you're so lucky you didn't have kids with them. And I'm, yeah, I get the concept. And yes, there's a certain benefit to that, or I don't have to have him in my life now, but I'm also not a mom. The point is, you have to actually understand that you have to be okay with these things. Yeah. And we have to be internally okay with things. Like, ask those questions, not be like my ex. When I would ask him if God didn't want him to be a millionaire, he would rebuke those words in Jesus' name. (laughs) I'm not going to go around rebuking those words about not being a mom. No, I have to consider that as a... Rebuke that. I have to consider that as a real possibility. And understand that I was a person outside of that. Yeah. And... I was able to be okay. Yeah. I understand I'm okay. Okay. Some people might think because of the experience I had with marriage, that's why I don't want to remarry or that's why I'm not going to or whatever, that you had a bad experience. That's what you're going to think about. No, that's not really what I think about at all. I just feel like I don't need the title wife or mother or girlfriend or fiance or any of those things to be a person, to be a complete person. And when I was able to accept that, like I, I teach at a Taekwondo school with lots of children and lots of little babies come in because their older siblings are doing Taekwondo. And prior to me having this sort of enlightenment in my soul, I would have been completely depressed dealing with children like that all the time because they weren't my children. Coming to that conclusion of, hey, I'm okay. I'm a complete person, whether I have children or not. I can go and fully embrace and enjoy teaching children smudging babies, being so excited that the babies are there, the kids are there, connecting with them and being an aunt to my own nieces and nephews, like fully embrace it and not be depressed because like when my, my, my baby brother, seven years younger than me, got married before me and he now has several children and my other brother, he's going to have his first in the next few months. I was very jealous that I wasn't the one getting married and having children. Yep. and. 
now I can embrace physically and emotionally my nieces and nephews and focus on being like the cool aunt and the aunt who can be there for them. My aunt was there for me a lot during some stuff that I went through. It was, it's sometimes you need someone who's a step away from your parents because as much as your parents love you, sometimes that gets in the way of what, how you need to process things. And so having someone who still cares about you, like your aunt or uncle, but can look at things a little more objectively is invaluable. So I want to be that for my nieces and nephews. I want to say the hard things if they need to hear it, but also be the sounding board when they're trying to work through things that they can't quite bring to their parents because it's just a little too close. And that is a very important, that's a very important role because there are so many children in schools nowadays who suffer or they confide in the wrong people. Yeah. And or not like raw, like, it might be judgmentally wrong, like they might get judged about it, but they might get really bad advice. And so you want to be that person. Like they feel safe. Yeah, like I will always back up their parents because I think the parents have the final say. Yes. But I'll also listen when they're frustrated about something. Yep. So I'm not going to go against my brother and his wife, what they wish to do while, they're, while their children are under their care as children before they're adults. But I can also be a sounding board yeah and it's okay for you to say things to me even if it seems like it's like sacrilegious i'd rather you say them to me than somebody where you might get i'm hoping i need good advice but where you might get poor or ungodly advice that might lead them down a very hurtful road yeah so even if you don't have nieces and nephews like i do you can embrace families in your church yeah so you can take that loneliness that you have, you like Monique and myself and David, we are like a family yeah. of ourselves. Because none of our family, except for David, your family is all in Ontario. My family is all in Calgary. And David's family is not immediately here. No. So it's you, ha David has, yeah. yeah. So it's a bit of a, he's closer to us and we take him with us to Taekwondo and to other places that we enjoy having around, like our little brother. Steal, steal him for a, Damn. Kidnap him, randomly. <laughs> <laughs> going out for lunch in a movie. You're coming with us. Boston pizza <laughs> trips. Yeah, Boston pizza trips. We like Boston pizza. Yeah. Or at least, yeah. Okay. So we created a family unit that is outside of the norm. And yet it feels completely normal. Yeah, it feels completely normal and it's fulfilling. And like you can do that in your church or with other people around you. Become a family. There's nothing wrong. Like we are, if we're a part of the church or part, they're Christian people, then you are family. Yep. So you can create this and become an aunt or an uncle. Because yep. like if you have people with kids, like they will jump all over you if you ask to babysit them for a night. Yep. Like they will throw them in your car, lock the door and walk away. <laughs> they <laughs> love their children, but they never probably get a break for me my my brother and sister-in-law are across the country so i can't just take the kids they come and visit me one at a time but if you're in this area like if you're by a family whose other extended family is too far away like if you say hey if you need to go out i'll take the kids on a weekend or one weekend a month and you become their su support system for the family but then you also become like the aunt uncle character in the lives that can be a help to the kids as they grow but that's why the importance of community in your church or around yeah. you is important you're not just 
Yeah. Let your, they saw walking by one day. They actually know you. Yeah. Let yourself be known. To and the again, that's where it is on you partly. And accountability. Yeah. It, it's it, You can't just expect everything to happen for you. No. You need to take control of what you're doing, not just let life happen and you just get washed around what's going on. Take control. Step out of your comfort zone. How many times do I have to do that? Like I, it, I joke about how speaking in front of Taekwondo, I fake it until you make it type of thing. But actually, it, it's less about faking it and more about like creating consciously a creating a good habit or like a positive thing that takes work to do. Yeah. And for me to get more confidence in front of Taekwondo and be the leader that the kids need, then you have to portray that. But then the more that you practice that, the more ingrained it becomes, and then that will become who you are. So when you go out to church, yeah, like the first time, just saying hi to somebody randomly is going to be like super difficult if, if you're an introvert. Some people are just like, hey, to everybody, and that's great if you can do that. But then the second time you do it will be just a little bit easier. Yep. And the third time, eventually, these are not strangers around you. These are people with whom you have relationships. Yep. And then you're walking through and you're wondering why it takes you three hours to get home from church because you've just talked to everybody. Been there. And yeah. And it's letting yourself be known. Let people into your space. Invite people over to your house, to your apartment. Have lunch gatherings. Have group gatherings. These are really good ways to help you overcome fears of intimacy. And we have a really skewed idea of intimacy because intimacy does not mean sexual. No. Just being in a group of people and having fun together. Like we, our care group the other week, we had a social night. We played Canasta, ate chips, played Canasta. We had so much fun. We didn't want to quit. It was like, oh, we got to go home. I got to work in the morning. These are the kind of things that can really help lift your spirits, give you encouragement and help alleviate the fears and loneliness that can, that can drag us down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think, too, we need to speak to the FOMO, the fear of missing out, especially when you're at the age, college age, 20s, or like getting up to 30, when all of your friends, I think, are getting married and yeah, they're having babies, or they're in relationships, like weddings, this is, it's insane, the amount of weddings and things you're going to go to in that time of your life. It's just every, it seems like everybody, and except for you, is going through it. This is where it's really important when God says, don't compare yourself to others like what we you are going through is your road what they're going through is their road you do not know what is going on underneath the surface all the time you don't really know what's going on but you need to realize this is where like you need to go the foundation and the abiding you've got to push forward in the fact that you're living your best life and what i mean by best life godly where god wants you to go you're fulfilled not the name it and claim it prosperity best life but your fullest life and then you'll realize that it's not just you that's not getting married there's a lot of other people around and two it's like you'll realize that you're actively using your single life in the callings that god has given you that you'll see there's as much fulfillment in that as in what you think might be in marriage and if you can fulfill find fulfillment you're not missing out if you're full there's nothing more that can go in there once you're filled like there you can't be more filled. more filled 
And so when you fill yourself with purpose and God's calling and you're following his will and you're throwing yourself that into that, not to forget, no, not to remove fear, but you're actually doing it from the true joy and wish to follow God, then you become full all the time. And yeah, you're full all the time. You're overflowing and you can be overflowing. Can you imagine this overflowing and singleness and people are like, what is she? What's going on with her? What's going on with him? How are they so happy when they're not even dating? And then you're going, this, let me tell you about what it's like to be single. Yeah. And it's just, it's hard to really explain until you get there. All this stuff that you think you're going to feel fulfilled in, if they only were married, if only were dating, yet it's a figment of your imagination. You're building something up. Straw. Yeah. You're just building something up that's not real. And it's going to fall apart because you're looking at it in the wrong way. It's that house built on sand. Yes. Again, the foundation anchor. It's a finite thing. You can have it for your entire life, but then by death, if you're not a believer, you do not have it. Or it's within this confines of this world. It's a a finite thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's something that, that doesn't last. And anything that doesn't last is not of God. We forget I think sometimes in our loneliness that there is a better way, that there is a better truth, and that there is fulfillment, but you've got to want to let yourself go in that. If you're a Christian believer, you've got, you're going to have to want to let yourself go in that. And I think this is very important to self-reflection. Yeah. We need to understand there's nothing wrong with wanting to be married. No. There's nothing wrong with pursuing one, like being married, like where you're, you're going on a date or a courtship or however you go about it, where you're looking for this. There's nothing wrong with that. But look into your heart and ask yourself, what if I never get married? What comes out? What happened with what fears are developing inside your chest? And don't try away from it. No. Don't try to shut it off. This is self-reflection. This is don't be afraid of being alone with yourself. If you are, then you got to start there. Because refusing to think about something doesn't make it not come true. No. no. <laughs> if I just don't think about it, it won't happen. That's not the way it works. If you can identify the fears that you are dealing with, the insecurities, and take your time to work on those things, that will only make for a better life a better person, and if you do get married, a better marriage. I don't know how many times I've heard people say, when I decided to let go of all of that and just live my life and develop myself, suddenly that person showed up. Yeah, exactly. My mom was the same when she met my dad. She was like, I'm going to not even think about guys. I'm going to this wedding. I'm not even going to think about it. I'm just going to go ahead with my friends. And then she met my dad. And there's so many people who are like trying to get pregnant and then they're like, you know what? I'm just done. I'm just going to worry, not worry about it anymore. And let's adopt instead. Yeah. Boom. Pregnant. Like (laughs) one month later. And it's not like it's a a recipe for how it works. No. The moment you stop focusing on something, something happens means that all your focus didn't make it happen. All that focus and trying and stuff didn't, wasn't the cause. So this is a lot of this is in God's hands. So your stress and fear and, and anxiety and all these things doesn't make something happen. No. It only takes away from yourself. Yeah. And it can create, it can take what we said, like a good thing, make it a God thing, which makes it a bad thing. And which is Justin saying, yeah, which our pastor saying, if you're 
getting married and having children for the wrong reasons, even though these are beautiful and wonderful things, there is going to be a difficult road ahead. Yeah. Because you have not challenged yourself to grow in Christ. You are having expectations of your spouse and your children to fulfill and then- a need in you that only Christ and only God can fill. Your family is not that missing puzzle piece. No, exactly. And and it will lead to difficulties in your marriage, in your relationship with your children. It just will. Yeah. You'll find yourself becoming dissatisfied. Yes. The irony is you can work on this as a single person and then find yourself in a place where the thought of being single for your entire life is fine. Yep. And the irony is that is actually the point where you're more likely marryable yeah. in a sense or where you're more marryable maybe is a bad way of saying it but like where you're a healthier person to marry yeah you will become the type of person that your spouse can have a healthy relationship with you can develop yourself as a person yeah that would be an honor and an asset to your spouse yeah and, and both have to do that yeah. yeah and if you both do that then your marriage will be much healthier yeah so your singleness is definitely fertile ground. It's very important time. It's extremely important yeah. for your life. And on that, we should probably end. Yes. I want to say one thing before we end. Yep. Uh, this verse actually got me. The idea of fear would be something more materialized or manifestation of our sins. And Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, I think is very important. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, mm. but of power and of love and of sound mind yes good word perfect perfect way to end it yep good on you thank you david you're welcome and thank you everyone for listening we will be back next time with our final pillar which is active hope you enjoyed this podcast we got into a lot of interesting topics but we had fun we had fun yes we did thank you for listening talk to you next time Bye. bye Thank you for listening to this episode of the Route 77 podcast. We hope that it has been a source of encouragement and inspiration to you as you navigate the challenges and joys of singleness. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with your friends and family. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for more content like this. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram to stay connected and up to date with our ministry. Next time, we'll be wrapping up our series on the pillars of Route 77 Ministries by discussing our final pillar, active. We'll be exploring what it means to live an active and purposeful life as a single person and how to pursue your passion and calling with intentionality and perseverance. So stay tuned for that. Remember, God has a unique and meaningful plan for your life, whether you're single or not. So keep walking the Route 77 and we'll see you next time.